0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today we are joined by international sensation Patrick Newcomb. Patrick is one of the few golfers to win on two continents this year. Um, He just finished up his season on the McKenzie Tour, uh, which is the Canadian Tour. He finished uh, fourth on the money list and that earned him his web.com card uh, earlier in the year he was playing on the latin american tour or the the narcos tour um patrick welcome on
1: thanks for having me i'm excited to be here
0: yeah so you're uh, out in portugal for this uh the portugal masters on the euro tour huh
1: yeah this this week uh uh, got a sponsor invite, first one I've ever gotten. I couldn't even get one in Latin America or Canada when I was writing for him when I had conditional status, and so it's it's cool to be able to show up and not have to Monday qualify.
0: Yeah, what was it like uh, playing for like eight x money, or I, it might even be more of the money, more money like for the first time?
1: Um, no, it's nice. Yeah, I think it's two million euro purse this week, so that's 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 a lot more than me. Me playing crazy good and shooting nineteen under like I have in Canada and win thirty K. So
0: It's uh it's uh, it's good. I mean you deserve it. You you had three wins this year and uh, in a couple of different places. I mean a lot of great golf. Um and I think you you've you've risen in some internet fame. Uh, you know, we saw you you win one time and it was like, Whoa, this guy's got this bucket hat on and then you kept popping up winning more and more so, I, I'm curious, what, how, how and when did the bucket hat you know revolution start?
1: Uh, it started in uh, Springfield, Missouri. Uh, Monday in a web event, my brother always had this big bucket hat, and he was like, I want to wear Shrixon. He's a, he, he was a Nike guy when he was playing, so he just had a Nike one. So, uh, I got him a Shrixon bucket hat out of the van and he was wearing it, and I was like, that looks pretty nice, like, I've been trying to get one, thinking about getting one for practice, and I wore it when I was practicing, and it felt pretty good, and then, you know, um, I went out, and I wore it in Argentina, um, talking to my buddy, I was like, I think I'm gonna wear the bucket hat, this week." he's like, dude, you can't wear that out here, (laughs) and I was like, I don't think I'm gonna wear it, and I shot 66, I think, and it just kind of stuck after that, it was, uh, everybody was like, that bucket hat looks bad on everybody, but it looks good on you, Pat, and I was like, I don't really know how to take that, but, I guess I'll
0: take it as a compliment. I, I've got a bucket hat, and that's the exact thing my buddy says. Dude, you can't wear that bucket hat. I, I wore it recently because of my wedding to keep the sun off me. But I'm, I'm curious, does your bucket hat have one of those, like, little strings that go down? No. No? No, I,
1: could, I couldn't do it with that. It would be dangling when I'm hitting yeah. it, so I couldn't deal with that. Yeah, that's I mean, not, just, just this straight up.
0: I, I got to figure out what what to do with mine, because it's got, like, that string. I Sometimes I put it behind... My head. Sometimes I put it in the hat, but I'm thinking about just cutting it off. But then, do you ever run into problems with the wind? And it
1: so so mine fit me really good. I guess my head just fits universal bucket hats really well. I don't know, but it doesn't ever it it'll like flip up, but it doesn't ever rarely does it fly off. A normal hat flies off more than a bucket hat does. So I don't know why, but I guess it's just just perfect.
0: You're were, you're were born for the bucket.
1: I guess that's what it is, I guess that's what it's telling me, that I was I was born to wear the bucket hat, and, and then the bucket hat on top of the pleated pants is just pretty much takes the keg, so. <laughs>
0: hey, uh, you know, like, all things, like, you know, cargo shorts, I guess, are, like, back in style now, and they were out, <laughs> um, everything's coming back, so, you know, please probably are going to come back, so, you know.
1: I don't know. I guess we'll see. I don't know. Everybody, everybody, everybody's like, Pat, you got to get some real clothes, man. Like, those aren't real.
0: <laughs> I mean, you've, so, made, you've made some money now, so you can, you can afford yeah. to invest some, um, allocate some capital to the, to the clothes or, or we got to get you a clothes sponsor.
1: Yeah, no, that'd be, that'd be the first thing I need is a clothes sponsor. Cause even living the life that I'm living, like this trip over here to Portugal was just, I just couldn't wrap my head around how much money I was spending to get over here to play, but this week I'm playing for way more money than I've ever played for, so it's I guess it's a double-edged sword there.
0: So this week you're uh you know you got the the bucket hat. You're going to be rocking the bucket hat with arguably, you know, this era's most famed no-hat uh player Robert Rock, who's who's just got mad flow game, you know. It, it's going to be a pretty stark contrast, huh?
1: Yeah, I actually, I actually don't have the bucket hat this week. I actually left it at an event. I've actually been naked with the bucket hat for a few weeks now. I need to, I need to get them to send me one. I have some at home. As soon as this week's over, it'll be, it'll be back in play. Um, but I left it at a host family's house in Calgary. But it'll be, it'll be interesting to play with the flow game. I can't, I can't keep up with that. That's, yeah. it's his flow game's been, has been really nice for a long time, and right. he and he plays in Europe so with the wind it just it's just like it's perfection out there i just i can i don't think i can keep up with that
0: yeah it's it's, it's pretty amazing i uh, you know, robert rock it, it, the flow hasn't deteriorated with age at all like there is no receding hairline there with him
1: yeah i was uh, walking on the range on tuesday to hit like five balls maybe and before i went out because i'd slept like 3 hours on the all the flights out of london tour championship to get London, Ontario to get all the way over here and then flew to London and then flew all the way down here and uh, we're walking on the range. First guy I see on the range that I actually recognize and so I nudge my buddy, I'm like, the flow game! The flow game! I literally said, the flow game! And he looks over and started dying laughing. And it was Robert Roth just hitting balls and then of course I get paired with him right after. Like I get the pairings come out you know, the next day and I'm paired with him so it's, it's just really funny.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I think uh, there's a lot to be said about having, like, a a trademark look. Like, I think, like, basketball players make so much money because they're the most marketable because you can see their whole face. Fans are on top of them. But with golf, like, you know, outside of the big superstars, the big top ten, like, you remember guys because of, like, specific things. And, you know, it can't be contrived. Like, the bucket hat just happened, you know? So yours is the bucket hat, but, like, rock has the, the flow um, obviously, you know, there, so there, there's a, it's, there's definitely a, a marketability factor and it's good for fans because like, you know, fans recognize those types of things, like the casual fans, it's easy for them to pick up on. Um, so I, you mentioned your brother used to play, um, you know, I'm curious, how, how did you get into, how did you get into golf? I saw you grew up in Kentucky and, uh, just like, how did you get started with the game?
1: Uh, I, I had a I had a club in my hand when I was, both my parents played lots of golf. Uh, my dad picked up the game at like 26 and was a scratch handicap by the time he was 30. So he was just, just really picked up on it fast and was, became a really good player. Um, and a real natural player, like hadn't taken a lot of lessons, had a like crazy swing, like big hop in his swing and all kinds of crazy stuff. People used to make fun of him, but he used to beat everybody. Um, And so I just had, uh, he chopped down little clubs when I was real little, I'd play in the sand, if I wanted to play in the sand, you know, bunkers and whatnot. And, you know, it was just, I was always around it, and he never really forced us into it. I mean, he just said, if I ever really wanted to start playing, though, just like any other sport, he was like, I don't want you to take it serious. Like, I mean, if we're going to spend the money for you to go play these tournaments, I don't mind it, but you're going to take it serious and do what you're supposed to, you know? So it was like it was a little bit more intense than you know kids just gr- go play in all these tournaments and visit their buddies. He was like, "You're there to play well." And that's kind of how he's always been. So um, and that's I've kind of had that with me my whole life. And so I, I've I've been around the game my whole life, pretty much.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that's cool. Um, in terms of uh, since you yeah, no nobody listening to this has probably gone, gone to a, a Canadian tour or Latin America tour event. But that is something I do want to go cover a, a Latin America story. tour of that sometime. I think it's a it's a missing frontier of, of golf media. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, d- I
1: guess I guess you could say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> tell tell us about uh, your style of play. Like, what's your game like? Um, you know, is it? You know, you-, you know, if you were gonna compare yourself, I don't know, just break down your game.
1: Um. Uh, I, I, I hit it really straight. Um, people people say, you know, well, there's all kinds, you know, people say, well, this guy hits it really straight. Um, my buddy was telling me the other day, he was explaining to his uncle when we were in Ottawa, my buddy of caddies for me, his uncle's from Ottawa, and he was like, what's his game like? And he's like, it's hard to explain. He just hits it really straight. Like, I don't really understand how to say it. He just hits it straight. And, you know, he was just saying, like, his uncle was saying, I, I don't even know what that means. Like, you know, lots of guys hit straight. And then he got up and he, and he was, I was hitting balls at his course one day off and and I was hitting them. And he just looked over at him and he goes, You're right. It's just, he just hits it straight. The ball doesn't curve at all. Like, every shot just kind of just is dead straight. Like, that's kind of how he plays. And so I, I'm just, uh, I hit it really straight. I have a lot of control of my wall.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I'm a streaky putter. So if, if putts start going in, I, I hit a lot of greens. I hit a lot of fairways and a lot of greens. And, you know, if putts start going in, it's if you're hitting the fairway and the green on every hole and you start making some putts, you know, that usually adds up to some pretty low
0: scores. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, when the putter gets hot, I, I, I'm not anywhere near you, your level of play. I'm a, I'm a good ball striker, though. And when the putter gets hot, it's so much more fun. Um, I, something I kind of believe in, in now in today's era of golf is that kind of great ball striking like in good ball strikers is is a prerequisite. Um, and it seems like it, it, having won a couple times and being in contention a lot is it, is it really does it really come down to the putter uh, most weeks, and you know who makes a couple extra putts?
1: Um, yeah, I think it does. Um, and I like to play courses that, uh, that separate, it separates players to hit it well. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Canada, the thing about Canada is course are good down there, good up there and the players well, but, but I, I hit a ton of drivers. So I hit a ton of drivers, even on really tight holes. That's a strength of mine. So I take advantage of that and I'm hitting a lot shorter clubs in than a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause guys are hitting three woods or hybrids, of bunkers or in the to stay out of the tightest areas and I just hit driver on every hole just to hit it, I hit it up in the tight areas and so I'm not worried about it mm-hmm. and I, ha- I hit short clubs so um, for me I think at the, at the next level from, uh, essentially from everyone I've talked to that the weeks you make putts that's the weeks you win um, but I think there's a lot to be said about that because you know uh, there's a lot of guys that uh, you know have uh, struck the ball very rarely do guys strike the ball poorly and win on tour so I think, it's, I think it's more to be said about um, how well you hit it from the fairway more than it is about making putts because if you're hitting it to 30 feet on every hole statistically, you're just not going to have a chance to win. So yeah. I, I, think it's, I think it's more about the approach. Tiger was the greatest there ever was it, at um, proximity to hole you know, on his approach shots. He played in his career, wouldn't even hit in fairways. He was hardly hitting any fairways and you know, was still winning golf tournaments because he was still hitting it to 12 feet in the rough. You know, so I think I think it's I think the big biggest part of the game in winning is, is um, the second shot.
0: Yeah, I, I I had the USC uh, assistant coach on like last year, and he, that's something he said is that the the skill they you know really work on to try and develop guys for the next level is the approach. And it, it, I mean, short... shorter shorter birdie putts you're going to make more of. Um, in terms of you know kind of preparing for the next level, obviously this week you've got. You know the the European Tour is the uh, second best tour in in the in the world. Um, what where do you think you need to do the most work with? Is it the wedges and putting, or or is it you know where where do you see kind of uh, taking the next steps and continuing to improve?
1: Um, I, I, the wedges have been uh, have been a question mark for me, uh, which is it's funny. Uh, there for a while, I could hit a seven iron question, and I could hit a wedge and stretches, which didn't make any sense at all. But, but that's kind of that's kind of my game. I hit a lot of mid irons close and and even longer clubs close, Um, and and I really revamped my wedges this year, and the wedges have gotten a lot better. So this week you're gonna hit a lot of short clubs, and scores are gonna be low. Guys are gonna get a hold of this place um, from playing it, and uh, so this week it's just about dialing in distances uh, for me from all from anywhere from like 170 down. To 100 which is pretty much every week for me if those are dialed in as well as I drive it I'm gonna have tons of looks and I'm gonna have one day where I roll in a bunch of putts mm-hmm. um, one or two and and that'll give me a chance to win on the nine on Sunday which is which is all I look for every time I tee it up is everyone's like you know I want to win the golf tournament but it's not so much about winning the golf tournament as as getting the work done you know the first 60 um, you know 63 holes and when you tee off on 10 on Sunday you got a chance to win. You, you might be three back or what, whatnot. What but you can't ask for much more than a chance to win on the back nine Sunday, and so that's kind of my motto.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's an aspect of golf that goes overlooked. Is just it's it's just the same way as as making is getting birdie opportunities at, at a bigger scale is getting winning opportunities. You know, you, you got to be in the mix because it, it's the ball's not going to go your way every time. But if you're there a lot, you're gonna it's going to happen more often. Um, in terms of uh, the wedge revamp, I'm, I'm always curious because one of the things I find interesting with golf is sometimes, like, what makes a great driver swing and a great driver of the golf ball can be counteractive to a great wedge player. Is it, is it something you did technique-wise to kind of kind of revamp the wedge game?
1: Uh, yeah, my brother had uh, had changed some stuff around in his wedge game um, and had spoken to a few people, and... Kind of got, um, I guess he could say so he got his body out of the shot. Was take took, took his legs and his and his upper body out of the shot and was pretty much just hitting wedge with- shots with his arms, mm-hmm. which was a, more of a control. You can control the distance better, you can control a whole lot of different things. And I've always hit shots with my upper body, mm-hmm. and my arms were almost non existent, it was turn and turn. And that's so much harder to dial in a shot at 82 yards or 75 yards or 60, you know, 63 yards, weird numbers like, like that, where you need to hit it within a yard or two, and, and on line, and control the spin. It's that's it's a special art. Like that's why the most of the time, the guys that hit the ball the shortest off the tee have the most have the least amount of rotation in their body and strength, so they have more control over the shorter shot. If it's a you know that's that's how they hit their normal shots. So that's kind of what we did. We kind of took my body out of the hit, and we were kind of hitting with my arms, and uh, really got my arms swinging freer and not not swinging with my body. And you know I started doing that, and and wedges, you know wedges started coming off good. The spin was the same every time, and, mm-hmm. and it really changed everything for me. Actually, I, I switched. Actually, I won in Honduras, but I hit seven irons in every green in Honduras. It, it was mm-hmm. it was craziest thing, but. But after that, you know, that's what's helped me play so well and consistent in Canada and have a chance a lot, because, you know, I, I still make plenty of birdies with seven, six, five, six, seven irons that most people don't, and then I have a lot of good looks for with wedges. And it's just been it's just been really good.
0: Yeah, a good recipe for golf is uh, drive it well and wedge it well, I and mean, put it, it travels well. Um, in terms of uh, so you see it with like international players that come on the pga tour like a a perfect example is like a Siwoo kim um but you're doing the same thing as an american um now right now in, in portugal and then you know in the spring in in latin america what's it like um and how much tougher is it to play golf in a foreign country where you don't speak the language and you know you're kind of traveling there you're you're unaware of the culture, the surroundings. It's a new style of golf. Like, how much, uh, you know, how difficult is that? And was there a big transition period?
1: So over here, no. Um, the the best thing that I ever did happen to me in my career is I went to South Africa my second year as a pro, and I went to Q School and I got status on the Sunshine Tour. And that getting me that status, I was there for five months straight. I got status. I was going to play the whole first half of the year till the summer, and then I might fly back after the summer and finish up. And I was there. I flew over, flew over in January, and I came back. Um, I came back in late May, early June. I was, it was about five months, and that was the best thing that ever happened. To, to deal with being away with nobody, I went over there with nobody. I just went over there and uh, and just figured it out. And doing that, I think that just made everything easier. So when I went to Latin America, it's annoying not speaking the language, but it wasn't a big deal for me. It was just, I would just had, I just knew how to get around. Um, and so it makes a big difference. So I think, you know, really for anybody to go away and to play in another country, it makes it so much easier, makes you so much more comfortable. Like when I was playing in Canada, it was like a breeze.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: was like life was easy. It was, it was like the craziest thing. Um, it, It's more difficult with... With the language barrier and the cultures, but it's 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 when it carries over into your game and you're just like annoyed the whole time you're there. You just can't when you step away from all that stuff and you step on the course. It's like a sanctuary. That's the way I kind of look at it. It's like I don't have to deal with anything. I just deal with you know hitting hitting this white ball that I do all the time Mm -hmm. and getting in the hole. So that's kind of that's the kind of way I approach it, which makes it makes it a lot easier. It's like I'm excited to get to the course so I can get away from all this nonsense
0: yeah yeah it's uh on the golf course and none of that stuff matters um it's it's interesting i imagine that the the experience right out of college really you know second years in in south africa it forced you to grow up and i think one of the more underrated aspects of professional golf is learning to be an adult at age 23 um travel and be alone so you know how how was that adjustment period being in a, in a foreign country for for five months uh, alone? Like, you know, what did what you do? And...
1: Uh, it, it, it was it was a pretty good setup when I was in Johannesburg, um, where, where I was staying. I wasn't far from the course, and you know, there's a couple restaurants that I'd gone to like my first week there. That and and I kind of just kind of stayed in my little bubble in <laughs> Johannesburg, but like going to like Zimbabwe and Zambia seeing all that it's just it's just crazy it's crazy to um, see those cultures and experience those things and um, and was really eye-opening and it it was it made me appreciate what I had so much more it's funny I was on the plane back uh, walking on the plane and people had to just hate me um, because I was just I, I literally was about to get on the plane I was so happy I was so happy, I was just like, I just I just started chanting USA walking onto the plane when I was about to fly out of Johannesburg, and then when I, was in, I landed in London, I had a layover, and then even in London, I was like, this is not, this isn't what I like, this is not home, I don't know what this is, but it's not what I want, mm-hmm. and I started chanting it again on getting on the plane again in London, like, walking, like, after I got my ticket walking down to the tarmac, like, I was like... Like, I was like, this is, I cannot wait. I can't wait when these 10 hours are over. I Like, it's going to be the most amazing thing in the world.
0: Uh-huh. And I was
1: just so happy when I got back in the States. And just, you just couldn't even imagine. Yeah. And that's, that's what made me, um, you know, appreciate what I had at home. And, you know, just it just everything, life, I was so much more appreciative about life. And just everything that I was doing, you know, getting to come home. And, and even being in Latin America, if I go for three weeks, I know I'm coming home. So I'm even, it's even easier. Like when I was gone for five months, I mean, that's a long time to be in a, a place where there's some beautiful things, but there's a lot of terrible things going on over there. And it, it was, for me, it was amazing to, um, to experience those things. And, you know, and hopefully my career keeps going and I only have to experience those things in small doses from now on. Yeah. Not, not, not in large doses like I did before.
0: Where you'll have like an end date, unless you know, if you go out and win on the Euro Tour this week, you know that that'd be a good problem, right? Cause then you yeah,
1: be... it'd be a great problem to have. <laughs> uh... and, and, and they and they go to the nicest places, like the 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 European Tour events that were in South Africa were at the nicest courses I played the whole time I was there. Uh-huh. So it was like you know they they go in and it's it's royal treatment and it's every it's super nice everywhere they go and you know it's not it's not like the Sunshine Tour and it's not like Latin America. And uh, you know Canada was an amazing experience, um, um, but it, everything's always always amazing when you're playing though. And, and any golfer knows that. Um, you always like the golf course. You go play some rinky-dink muni that's in terrible shape, and you go out and shoot 67. You're like, I like that place. Yeah. You know, but if you you know it's you can go play a perfect golf course shoot and you're like, ah, oh, that place wasn't that nice out there. Like it wasn't that good. That's just that's just golfers' nature. I feel like so. So, you know, that that was, with Canada, it was it was funny. I was playing well, but it was, so I was like, I was always happy the whole time I was up there, but uh, but it, it, it's, it was nice to get home, and, and this week, you know, I guess just hopefully I get hot and play well, and then we move forward. I mean, it's, I'm week to week, I've been week to week for about 20 weeks now, because I didn't expect to stay up in Canada as long as I did, mm-hmm. so.
0: So, uh, with the Sunshine Tour, and, and going to places like Zambia, Zimbabwe, like a, and you're traveling with your golf clubs. You, did you not have a caddy at the time?
1: No, no. <laughs> I just picked up a local jock every time.
0: What's the, what's the, uh, between Latin America and, uh, and South? Yeah, Southern Africa. What, where, who had the better caddies and, you know, who's the most memorable looper you had?
1: Most memorable? Um, I got a few, um... I got the, the guy that I won with in Honduras this year, Carlos, is one of the funniest guys I've ever met because he literally, he, he thought I was hilarious because we'd walk, there was these promo girls, and we would walk past them, and, and I, every time he would like go get a drink or whatnot, and I'd like nudge him. I'd be like, that's you, get in there, like go talk to her, all this stuff, and he just thought that was, a, he barely spoke any English, <laughs> he just thought that was so funny, so, one time he thought that I, I like nudged him I was like, go talk to her. And he goes, no, 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 no. And then he went and talked to her and then he came back and handed me a phone number. And he goes, it's her phone number. You wanted her phone number. I said, no, 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 I said it for you. So from then on, every person, every time we went past the tent, he would go talk to him and get a phone number. And go talk to him and get a phone number. And it was the funniest thing ever. That's probably my favorite one. And he, that was the first year I was in Honduras. And then he caddied for me again this year in Honduras. And he uh, um, it was funny because we won. And he was like, he's been sending me messages every week like, let me come caddy for you and all this stuff. Um, <laughs> but Carlos, yeah, Carlos, uh, Carlos was funny. And he was also the only one that didn't ask for a big tip after the week was over. The only one of all the places that we went to.
0: So do you, get a, do you get a bigger tip because of that?
1: Oh, 100%.
0: Always. Yeah. That's always. It's an amazing thing. If you don't ask for something, it usually it works out better. Um, in terms of the the numbers, I mean, did you did you call any of them? Uh,
1: uh, no, I chatted with one of them the, during the week off, but it's like the it's like crazy because we're on this resort, and then all these people that are working are getting bussed in from, like, Miles and miles away to work, and then they bust in early in the morning, and then they stay to the end, and then they get bussed out. So it's a, uh, it's just the, the the culture and everything. And I was definitely wasn't gonna about to get take like a forty-five minute bus ride in the middle of nowhere in Honduras to go to go see anybody. I've, I've uh, um, I teetered on the on the edge of uh, bad experiences in South Africa. And I wasn't gonna do that again in Latin America. So
0: yeah. Um, in terms of uh, like the diceiest travel situation you've been in, with like you know your your clubs or you know, it, it, is there any time where you were like, whoa, like what the fuck am I doing?
1: Um, so I um, I was I'm, I met this girl in Nicaragua. This is this be a good story. This will be good. I, I I've only told my buddies this, um, but I missed the cut in Nicaragua. And this is this is this is this is one of the this is one of the better stories. And this and I went to watch my buddy tee off. And uh, and I was I was sitting there and i practice practiced that morning and that afternoon. I was just having a couple of drinks. So I, I I couldn't change my flight. We were going to the next week. So I was just I went to go watch my buddy tee off. I was going to watch him walk a couple of holes. And this girl was working this tent. And I had a drink and and we started chatting a little bit. And then she was like, you know, you're from America, we chatted, whatever, I walked away. And then the next day I came back to watch my buddy come through there and she was there. And she goes, what, she goes, what are you leaving? All this stuff. Um, she's like, you should come, come with us, me and my friends, you should, your friends should come. So I, I was like, okay, I'll go. My buddy had to play the next day and he's like, ah, I can't go. So I was like, all right, whatever, I'll go. I don't have anything to do. So we pulled, Nicaragua, we were literally on a resort in like a weird place in Nicaragua where it was like really out on the ocean like exclusive you know really secluded and and so we're driving out and I think we're gonna take a right the way we came in on our shuttle we take a left and like and we take a left and the road ends and
0: okay. it's like a
1: like a gravel road kind of thing and it's like a road but it's not really a road and there's no lights and I'm just like thinking, I'm really like, we're driving and I'm thinking, oh, well, something's going to come up soon. And we get about like five miles, like, off, like, down. I'm like, I'm like, well, Pat, you made a bad decision and you're about to pay for it. Like, you <laughs> made a poor decision and, and you're about to pay for it. You can't really get mad. You really can't even get mad. You know, you, you made a decision that you should never have made to leave the resort and you're about to pay for it. It's bad things are about to happen. I don't know what it's going to happen, but bad things are about to happen. And I was like, you know, I'm like, okay, stay calm. Like you're fine. Like I was like looking around. I was asking a bunch of questions. Like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And it's so funny. As soon as like I'm asking, like, guys, I think I, I, think I need to go back to the resort. Like you guys can like, you guys mind drop me off back at the resort? And we pull up on this beach, and it's this like, this amazing view, and this like nice restaurant, and like just like this super like nice place um and it was just funny because they were the people i was with was just laughing at me they were just like you thought we were gonna kidnap you didn't you Mm -hmm. i was like i thought something really poor was about to happen to be honest and but yeah it was fine we ended up walking coming out on this beach and having dinner and and it was it was fine. but it was uh that was probably the most uncomfortable i've ever been in any situation for about a 10 minute stretch
0: so uh did you go back to the resort that night
1: Yes, yes, I did. Oh. Yes, as soon as dinner was over, I went back to the resort. I oh. was ready to get back to the resort, and uh, and I haven't done anything like that since. Oh, so uh, that was a, that was a good
0: lesson lesson learned. I think you should have doubled down there. <laughs>
1: maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a younger pet would have doubled down, but uh, but that was uh, that was a pretty that one that one will always be etched in my memory, for sure.
0: So um, haven't played on both the McKenzie tour and the narcos tour um in terms of like the experience like of each like how would how would you kind of compare the vibe and and the the, the guys on each and and just the overall like what what did you like and what did you not like about each experience
1: um, the best thing about the Narco store, which I think is funny that you call it that, um,
0: it's pretty good. It was, but, uh, it was the uh, best thing about... Tron Carter, No Laying Up Guys, creation, so I can't take full credit for it. right?
1: Um, yeah, so we, the best thing about that is because you're in these places where there's a language barrier, and the Latin guys all have their crew, and they're super, and that their culture is super friendly, so they joke around with everybody and all of that. So the with that, you know, those guys are awesome too because I've met a bunch of them and you know and you know a bunch of them think I'm a crazy guy and and all kinds of stuff with you know because I've told them stories like that and you know other things and and so those those guys that culture is great and they you know they know like the ins and outs and but the Americans that are down there you're you're, it's kind of like a brotherhood like you're kind of together because you're kind of secluded of the culture and, and you know you don't speak the language that well and. You know, you're all kind of getting together to get an Airbnb and, like, you go know, like, hey, where'd you stay last year? Was that safe? You know, all this stuff. And it's just like a – it's like more um, everyone looking out for each other
0: mm-hmm.
1: down in, in the Narcos Tour. And and the McKinsey Tour, everybody, it's just like playing a mini tour event. And it's not – you know, everybody's not – there's a bunch of nice guys up there. The guys are nice, but it's not as tight as – as a Latin tour, like, I love the Latin tour. I love playing down in Latin America because just everybody's so tight, and it's just a great experience, and, you know, guys are guys are fun, and, you know, you, you can experience a lot more things. Kid, it was more, it was more like business. Like, it's actually felt more, even, like, even in the web events I've played, it felt more like a tour event down in Canada with just the culture. Like, the PGA Tour, it's not really, like, buddy-buddy. Like, you know, it's everyone has their own little clique or their own little, you know, they their agent and, you know, all that stuff. That's kind of how it felt in Canada. More mm-hmm. like everybody was, you know, did their own thing. You know, everybody was nice and passing and practice, but Latin was, you know, it's like a brotherhood. It's like a good group of guys. And, and in Canada, it felt more like super business, business-like and,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, you know, guys weren't as, you know, friendly and weren't like working together like, they, like it was in Latin America.
0: Yeah, I, I imagine, because there's a lot of guys down on the Latin America tour that, that play that for like, a that are from, you know, South America and Latin America, that play it for like their profession, like that's their thing, right?
1: 100%. They don't go to the expensive weeks, like you never see them in a week, it's going to cost them a lot of money to go play, never see them there, um, yeah, and so it's, it's crazy to see that, you know, and then there's a lot of great players down there that play down there every year and know all those courses and and stuff and in canada it seemed like it was a bunch of 22 year olds 21 year 21 23 guys right out of college hadn't did hadn't done you know the travel and the professional lifestyle at all and it was like it was like the i mean it's important to play well and it's important to work hard but like my mentality is like if i'm happy and i'm excited to be there and I got a good crew with me, like, I'm going to play good most weeks, and, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've traveled the world, and I've done a lot, and these, you know, a lot of the younger kids that I met up there were just, like, it was, like, for dear life, like, the, every every week mattered so much, and every round mattered so much, um, it, it just had a different feel than these, like you said, these professionals down, literally, their profession was to play Latin America and finish, you know, 30th on the money list and make money, like, for their family, and, like, through the whole nine, you know, and everyone, you know, everyone up in Canada was really,
0: serious, really driven yeah.
1: to, to just really get to the web Tour. Like, oh my, but I got so many buddies out there that I've played against that are already out there. I got to get there now. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's you know, almost I just, like I a, had a lot different vibe.
0: it's like the Canadian tour is like an extension of college golf where it's, it's so serious and it's, you know, training, training, training versus, I mean, the Latin America tour, you're like, I mean, you're never going to go down to uh, uh, imagine an event and there's going to be, like, a gym nearby that you can go. <laughs> like Pump weights in right after your round. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and uh, it's just such a, so much different of a vibe. And it's, it's probably so helpful because it teaches you so much perspective. I think that that's what gets lost so much with, um, you know, it, it, golfers is the perspective of playing golf for a living. Like, it's pretty damn awesome, especially if you can be successful at it.
1: No, it's um everybody it's uh you know, I'll be saying, you know, I'll be talking about this or that and and I'll be bitching about something I'm sure at some point. My you know, and my, and you know, my buddy's like, uh like dude, like just let me t- let me let's switch. <laughs> you let me let me come hang out in in Latin America and play golf and and you can come sit at my desk job. And uh and I'm like and I always say it, I'm like I'm like everything's relative so you should always know that, like, you know, anyone, you can be uncomfortable in your setting if it's relatively, it's different than what it normally is, but I said, I said, I had the greatest job in the world, I wouldn't change it for anything in the world, I was like, but it's all relative, you know, to, to what, whatever, whatever's going on, and, and I, like, I, I said it to my buddy, like, I was like, no, no, no I'm still going to complain about something, if I want to complain about it, yeah. but, but, I mean, I, I, I had the greatest job in the world, which is, which is nice.
0: Yeah, it's uh it is a sweet gig I, I complain a lot sometimes to my buddies about what I do now which is this and and write and stuff and they're like dude are you kidding me like and I'm like well like you know there's but yeah I, have a, I love what I do way more than what I used I do. to do so it is all relative um so it where where what was your what's like in all of your travels what's your favorite spot you've been um, you know whether its uh, it's in south africa or south america canada i mean you're 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 a uh your passport's got to be just littered
1: I, I i gotta get new pages i just looked like i could literally about to fly out here soon i gotta make sure and check whatever the regulations are but like i could literally about to fly out and be like you can't fly out you don't have enough pages because <laughs> like, i know that's like a regulation and i'm getting very close to that so Actually, after, after I get home, I, like if I get a little stretch off, I'm going to have to get some new pages on yeah. my passport. Um, probably my best spot, my favorite spot. One of the, uh, one of the coolest yeah. places I ever went was, it was the first tournament I went to. It was the Dimension Data. It was in Fancourt, South Africa. It's still a background on my phone. And it was three courses there, and it was just one of the most amazing places. It was It was awesome. I played terrible that week. That's why. That's why I remember it still being so amazing because I didn't play good that week. I missed the cut, and I still remembered how awesome the place was. And that's never the case for me. Um, that that is probably my favorite um, place that I've been. But my probably my favorite golf course that I've been to is was probably Ocean Forest in Sea Island, Georgia. That's probably my favorite track I've ever played. There are Cherry Hills in Colorado. So, but the place I've ever been was probably. Um, Fancourt, South Africa.
0: That's that's cool. I, I want to get down to South Africa sometime. I mean, I think I'm years away from doing that. I got some other places <laughs> I want to check out, like Australia. You should try and play in like that Australian Open. That'd be cool. Or PGA. Uh,
1: if they ever give me a start, I'll be there. Yeah. That, so that's that's that's, that's kind of how it is.
0: You, you are definitely uh, you don't. I don't think anybody will dispute that you won't travel. You, I will travel is a very you know app uh, yeah. so um, now now that you' got your card locked up I know you you're you're gonna try and get some sponsors and exemptions and and work that game um, you know like what else will you play in you're kind of a you know you're in no man's land I feel like
1: yeah I'm I depending on uh, you know what sponsored invites I get um, I'm really excited I, I, you know I, the PGA tour Um is by far hands down the best tour in the world. I know everyone knows that, but it's just it's just not even close. It's unbelievable out there. It's the greatest lifestyle in the world and especially as a golfer, it's just you just play amazing tracks week in and week out. And they chase the best weather, too. You never play in bad you notice how there's never bad weather on the PJ Tour. Yeah. <laughs> like, like maybe maybe like one week a year and it's a weird storm where there was like high winds and the highest wind records in years. Yeah, like, yeah. That, like there's never a bad weather ever on the PGA Tour. It's, so, they
0: just came to Chicago, and September is the best golfing weather here.
1: mm mm-hmm. No, hardly any wind. Perfect just sunny. No humidity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. So I would love to get PGA Tour starts. That's that's the next. That's the next for me. Is you know I've been riding, and hopefully I can get um, you know get some starts. I I, I went out to the After I won in Honduras, not that I have a lot of money or anything, but I actually had told my buddy I was going to come visit him on the three weeks off, visit him for a week, and he lived out in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And so I won in Honduras, and and I changed my – so I'm literally supposed to call in the morning, tour travel, and change my flight from back home out of Honduras to Vegas. Forget. In the morning on Saturday. I make the cut on the number this year. I go out. And I go out, and I'm in the middle of my round. It's funny. I am I think I'm at like five under at the time. I'm in the middle of my round um, uh, going to 9T nine, nine, nine or maybe 10T, and I'm like, oh, my God. I forgot to change my flight. And the only thing I thought about in the whole back nine was you can't forget to change your flight because tour travel most of the time isn't open on Sundays. Yeah. I was like, I, I have to call them before – like when I get done, like I have to do this. And it's all I thought about on the back nine. I went around there and shot 61 and took the lead, and then I had to do a bunch of, and I have set the course record, and I have to do all these interviews, and at the same point, I was sick that most of that week. It was the craziest week ever. I was sick all week. Like, I literally didn't, I literally didn't play, if, I played like one nine holes practice round. Uh-huh. Like bed all week. It was, a, It's unreal how, how life works. And so I'm like, and then I have to do all these interviews, and I'm like, well, I wanna go hit a few balls after these interviews, and I forgot again. I'm gonna go hit a few balls and like, groove this. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna win tomorrow. I'm gonna yeah. have a chance to win tomorrow. I go hit balls in the range, I'm putting, and my buddy walks up to me and goes, he goes, you change your flight? I'm like, oh my god. I run back to the room, call, like, four minutes before tour travel closes, change my flight, I go on to win, and spend a week out in Vegas. Um, That story leads up to me playing TPC Summerlin, and I love that track. Uh I absolutely love that track. It is built for me.
0: Yeah, it's not too It's not too long.
1: It's not too long. It plays firm and fast. Mm Mm-hmm. And I hit a lot of short clubs in, and the par fives are kind of narrow, and the greens are kind of quirky. And I hit long clubs well, and it just—it's built so well for me. Um, I tore it up all week long when I was out there, and uh, so I would love to play in the Shriner's Hospital. That's—that's that's like the one that I really want to get in, um, in the wraparound season.
0: We gotta give this man a man a spot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It'd
1: be—it'd be amazing to be able to get out there and go play. Um, you know, I was out there all week, and and I'm not—I'm i am not I might almost move out to Vegas if I ever get to a place in my life where I can. Because mm-hmm. I love that track.
0: Where Where do you headquarter now?
1: Um, really, I, on off weeks here lately, I've just been flying to wherever a buddy lives mm-hmm. and like practicing there instead of going back to Kentucky because my coach is there. But we can video, we can send videos, and I just I, there's not a lot I can get done at home. Mm-hmm. Um, in Kentucky, you know, I'll play at Benton Country Club at 6,100 yards, no driving range. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played it a billion times. Like, you know, it like it just, it just doesn't it doesn't show what I need to work on, really.
0: Maybe um, you should play, you should try, I always say this to my buddy. He's my, my four-ball partner, and he plays at this course I grew up playing at, which is, I mean, you can hit driver everywhere. Yeah, like, I can go out and shoot under par in my sleep. I always tell him, like, why don't you play with just a five-iron and under? So then you're hitting, like, all different clubs into the greens, you know, and, uh, I mean, obviously it, it hurts that you don't get to work on your driver, but all of a sudden you're hitting, like, seven irons into greens that you've always hit wedges into.
1: Yeah, no, I actually, um, that was the next thing I was going to, like, I have played that place with, um, you know, No Woods, I played that place with, uh, uh, you know, uh, one time One time I played that place with uh, uh, seven iron down, uh-huh. and... Played it seven iron down and played it as a par 68. Played the seven iron down and played the fives as fours. Uh-huh. Um, it was a, it was it was it was crazy. My buddy was like, you can't shoot under par. Seven iron down and par 68. Or it might have been six iron. It might have been where I could hit a full shot into the par threes. Whatever uh-huh. club I needed, I think it was a six iron, where I could hit a six iron to the middle of the green. It mm-hmm. was a back flag. I was just I was stuffed. But whatever I could hit to the middle of the greens on the longest par three, that was the lo- longest club in my bag. And, uh, played no all the fives and I shot 67, I shot one under uh-huh. actually doing that. And, uh, um, but yeah, it's, it, of course it's just so easy. I know it so well and you just can't, I just can't Yeah. like, it's cool. That's cool to do. But like my, my strength in my game is my driver yeah. and I want to hit drivers. Like that's what I work on because my driver is, you know, I'm not short. It's not like I'm super short and I have to hit it straight. I'm decently long and I hit it straighter than most guys that my length or longer hit it. So I can't really work on that stuff. Yeah. So I just kind of fly wherever I was Uh, in Jacksonville on my last week off. And
0: it's gotta be um, nice that you get the, uh, the practice and play at the TPC courses. It it probably helps a ton with traveling around.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I always fly in with a TPC course (laughs) or, or I spent my winters in Orlando. Um, so, uh, like that's I have a place there down at Reunion Resort. They're good to me there, uh-huh. and I can go in there and practice in Orlando. So, you know, wherever there's a TPC, uh, I spent my birthday in New Orleans. Actually, right before I flew to Argentina for an event and a gap uh-huh. there, um, the the first week back after I had won. And my buddy bought me a flight into New Orleans, we went out in New Orleans. And I was out practicing at the TPC down there. I it just—it's it, nice that you know, if I wanted to go somewhere, and need to go do something, I can always find a place to go practice, which is which is good.
0: Do you guys get access to the private ones too?
1: Um, uh, private. Like ones, the private uh,
0: TPCs, because I know some of them are private clubs in a sense. Like uh,
1: if, yeah, I, yeah. No, I'm you get yeah, cause uh, like Boston
0: is a is a private one. And I think um, I don't know where else. They they've got a handful of privates though. So, so was, there,
1: any any of them that are on the list, if you're a member, you, they you, they just usually you show up, and especially the ones that aren't Sawgrass or Scottsdale, uh-huh. um, you show up and you are because a lot of times there's might be one other guy out there, you know, like if yeah. you go to Boston um, or you know Summerlin, like you go out there, there might be four guys, and they literally set you up and give you a locker and everything first okay. class
0: it's 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 pretty nice yeah it's so being a country club member without any of the dues right
1: 100 percent. well you play you pay plenty of dues paying the pga tour for q school so yeah <laughs> you pay you, you and, and the travel you're paying you're paying dues just so you know
0: yeah so you'll you'll play q school this year and obviously that's that's a big event with uh status right just getting the uh, higher priority
1: Right, so I, I'm gonna get a few starts. Um, mm-hmm. I could get anywhere from three to eight starts. I could get all eight off of my status out of Canada, possibly, because mm-hmm. it's changed a little bit this year. But um, if I go to Q School and win Q School, then I'm a full member. Oh, I'm in everything. And a you know, fifty you know, grand. Top ten is like twelve, I think, or something like that, or half the year. Um, you know, and then top forty-five gets the first eight no matter what. So it. And it's, you're playing for 50K, you know, yeah. it's it's more money than I've been playing for all year, so it's like, you gotta, um, I'm definitely not gonna pass up my chance like that, and it's, and those first eight on the web.com
0: are just so important. Yeah, so, yeah, and they're, a lot of them are down in your, uh, in your comfort zone, down in Latin America. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty good, that was the
1: main reason I went to Latin over Canada, actually.
0: Because it was, uh,
1: they, you have a little bit better status if you play down there and finish in the five, because... Every Latin America start you're in, no matter what, your number doesn't have to get called. Like you're automatically in as the sponsor invite for those Latin America starts. If you got in the top five, the Los Cinco down in Latin America, so it's you're, better than Canada a little bit.
0: You're in the Los Cinco right now, right? If you um, if it ended no,
1: no 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 I'm I'm like I think I'm like eleventh now
0: uh-huh. so fell right.
1: to like eleventh.
0: I mean, it's probably never, it's never happened before, but what if you finished, what if you went down in there and played, and you were top five, Los Cinco, and Canada? I feel like that should get full exemption.
1: I, I feel, I feel like it should too, but it wouldn't, knowing the PJs were that wouldn't happen. So, uh, but, uh, I would just play out of whatever category was better, um, <laughs> and it'd be funny, because probably, if I went, if I do go deck down there, something crazy happens, and I win again down there, um. I guess it's not so crazy at this point, but if I went again down there and get in the five down there and then the five up there, and then I go to Q school, um, it, it could be funny. I, then I go to Q school, and if I, say, I won Q school, I would just, all everything I did all year just really wouldn't have mattered as long as I finished in the top ten and then won Q school because those two category numbers wouldn't even matter. I'd just play out of my my full status category. So whatever category I have the best number from, that's what, that's what you play out of. That's how they do it. I know it's
0: tough because there's so many web guys that you know struggle to get starts. But like I'm, I'm really surprised that there isn't more movement ability from Latin America and Canada um, mid-year. Like I think a perfect example is Dan McCarthy last year, who won what is it four Canadian Tour yeah. events.
1: Crazy he had a crazy good year,
0: and uh you know he I think he was top five in the first start of the year, and he got injured this year, and I know he lost his card, so he's back at q school um you know one year after winning four events, but like it's a it's such a interesting golf story in the sense of like this guy red hot and they injured i think I want to say his thumb. And he couldn't play basically all year. And when he came back, it was so late in the season. It's, you know, like it's a shame because that guy, you get him up on the web. There's no question that he, the golf level of golf he was playing, like that's going to translate to the next level. And and it's too bad when somebody wins. Like you know, you win three times on the web, you're up to the uh, up to the. Uh, the PGA Tour automatically. Like, and you won three times on the developmental tours to the Web, and those three wins should get you a spot up there. So yeah,
1: and, it, and I could essentially get three starts next year if I go to the final stage and don't play well, and I get my number only gets called out of Canada three times,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, in the first eight events, and I miss three cuts, then I could not get a start the rest of the year. It's, it's, There's a chance I could not get to start the rest of the year, and and that, that's a little it's a little crazy, but um, you know they've built it that way. And and your first year on any tour, you always have to play well. You yeah. always have to play well.
0: Play like well. You just yeah. you
1: have you have to play so much better your first year than you had to play any other year um, on tours. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the PGA Tour, you just don't get any of the you don't don't get any you don't get guaranteed a lot of spots unless you you know finish number one on the money list, and uh, you know it, you just you have to take you know. Take your starts and play well, and you know once you keep your card on each on each tour, the next year you're in every event. That's that's when life gets easy. That's when you can, you know, if you have to play forty weeks or whatever it is, you have to play every single week that year to keep your card. You can, but you have that option. You know, you don't get twenty starts, twenty two starts. So, yeah,
0: and you get to play so, the courses the second time around. So there's familiarity and you know comfort. I think that's it's one of yeah you know, one of the toughest things with a, being a PGA tour rookie is like you're going to a tour and you're playing against guys that have played at a tour stop for ten straight years and you're playing the golf course for the first time, um, you know staying in the town for the first time and it, it, it's it's tough it's a, it is um, you know it, golf is definitely a sport it's quite different than like football where football like being a veteran is like the worst thing ever because you're gonna get booted. By a young, cheaper contract, but golf, being a veteran, is is extremely advantageous. Um, so, uh, you know, the one wonderful- event I think you should play is Argentina Open. You could get a spot in the British Open or Open Championship. No, that,
1: no, that one, that one's, I'm probably going to go down for that two week stretch in Argentina. That was actually where I almost, in Lujan the week before that Argentine Open, uh, it was the first win I almost had. And kind of when my whole career changed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Late that year, I started playing a lot better. Made every cut that second half of the year, except for one, I think, in Latin last year. And I had a chance to win in Arge- uh, Argentina, and I shot 73 on Saturday just because I hadn't been in that. Ex- I was leading after two rounds, and I just had never been in that situation in a long time at, on a good, uh, you know, on a four-round event, you know, playing, you know, on a good tour with good players. Um, and I shot 73 on Saturday and just literally just hurt myself all day long mentally. Mm-hmm. Just was just doing things that I don't normally do. And I, you, you know, I went back and regrouped them that night. I was like, I'm going to play great tomorrow. Like, I know what I need to do. You know, my game is good. And uh, we get washed out on Sunday. Don't even play. And I finished 10th and I ended up losing my card on the Latin America tour last year by like a few hundred dollars. Ah, oh, Jesus. And and it was, you know, it was it was tough for me. Like it was really tough for me to, for that, you know, to, for it to get almost taken from me. I went, you know, went from leading the tournament to shooting 73 in the I think it was three shots off the lead, but in tenth place.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. it was real log jammed and you know that was a lot of difference in money. And it was just like it was super frustrating. And then I had some family stuff happen the next week, and I missed the cut in the Argentine Open. Um, you know and, but that was kind of when my career really changed and turned and yeah. i really felt it turning and i knew this year was going to be a good year i told my dad this funny this beginning of this year i'd never said this before i was like you know i'm getting better like it should be a good year but i literally told him right after i missed the cut in bogotá about one um, after i had to go monday in because i had bad status from q school in latin america i said pat i said pops this is this is it Mm-hmm. this is my year it's gonna be my breakout year like 100 I'm telling you right now it's gonna be my breakout year or I'm gonna be doing something different next year yeah I said like because if as well as I'm playing if if I don't break out this year then I'm not going to so um you know I played kind of crummy for a couple of weeks and next couple starts and then Honduras happened and then pretty much from then on I've just been open the floodgates since I won in Honduras and so it's it's, it's been
0: crazy. It's interesting what you said about the Honduras win and how you were sick and you know how you and I, I had a sports psychologist on the podcast a, a couple months ago and I talked about how like I noticed a lot of my really great rounds come like um you know I, I medaled and went to the semis and like our mid-am match play last year and it came after a weekend I was in a wedding and I spent zero time practicing i think and i'm still hung over on monday morning when we played and <laughs> yeah. it, and he goes yeah because you had zero expectations like and usually great things happen when you have this sensation of like versus like you know being uber prepared and and like playing you know practicing a ton and it, it there's a weird thing with golf where i think if you you don't yeah, i mean obviously you don't expect something you you go out there a little bit more free and it sounds like that's kind of what happened in Honduras where where you it probably was the week you least expected it given the circumstances of being sick and everything
1: yeah I, I wasn't feeling that well in Guatemala um and it was kind of the sickness was coming on and I remember getting catching a flight when um, and I withdrew from Honduras but or Guatemala because it the wind delays and we got washed out anyways but I left so I could go get in the Monday because I wasn't in the tournament in Honduras yet oh my god on Sunday so I withdraw and I fly in to because I was gonna I was gonna have to play good to make the cut. And I fly in and I get there and I get in on the number. And I remember like when I was got there and I found out I was in, I was gonna go play nine. And I was like, I was like, I'm not even gonna go out there today. Like I, I don't feel good. I go to bed that night, wake up the next day, and I'm just like can't move almost. Like like body feels terrible. I hardly hit any shots that week. And I remember playing pretty good and getting nothing out of my rounds. And I was like, what a week to finally play good and I'm sick. Yeah. Like, like, I, I, like I'm playing well this week and I'm sick and all I'm thinking about is being sick and I don't even really care where, you know, how prepared I am or anything. Like, if I could have been feeling good, I would have had a great week. I was thinking that on literally on Friday in the middle of my round. Mm-hmm. And I make a birdie putt from 12 feet on the 36th hole to make the cut on the number and to go out first on Saturday... And that changed my whole life.
0: Yeah. That changed
1: I mean, everything. I went out first and, and played fast and didn't have to wait. I'm a quick player. Shot 61, that changed my life. It's funny how things in life happen. And, uh, you know, that one thing can, can change the way you think. And, you know, and when I shot 61, I believed I could win. And uh, the wind kicked up that afternoon as soon as I finished. It was a perfect storm. And guys didn't play that good in the afternoon. The leaders and uh you know, I held, out, held on on Sunday and, and, you know, now I'm sitting here now in, in Portugal at the Portugal Masters. So, it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's just a domino effect.
0: That's awesome. Um, so, in in terms of what would you have done if you had, uh, had quit? If, if it hadn't worked out this year. Do you uh, know?
1: My, uh, I got a buddy that lives in New York City. I got a pretty good backup plan. He, he owns his own company in New York City. Uh, we grew up together. He's uh, he's one of my best friends, if not my best friend. Uh, and I go visit him. Like my vacations, everyone's like, you gonna go to the beach? I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to New York City. I'm gonna go see my buddy, and we're gonna go out. You know, it's you know, 10 degrees up in New York City, and we just go out, go up there, go out every night. He knows everybody. You know, see the city. I like I like New York City. It's one of my favorite places to go. Um, and and he he's like a, has like a recruiting company, and that's that's where I was headed. Oh, I was headed to uh, go to New York City. Um, uh, you know, he said I always got a spot, but uh, hey. he tells he he tells me now if I quit, I'm an idiot. So hey, man- he didn't
0: know
1: he do not know if I have a job if I quit now.
0: Man, Manazuma's uh, revenge was the the turning point.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It, it's it's funny how things like that happen, yeah. and how uh, I had a conversation with my guy room with Tim O'Neill, who's been on and off the nationwide tour and the web.com tour. And it's won a lot down in latin america and i asked him i said what's your best advice for sunday nothing crazy i don't need anything crazy what's your best advice he said pat stay patient i said you're playing great stay patient don't do anything crazy yeah. don't do anything crazy because you think you have to go win this golf tournament because you don't just stay patient and i stay patient all day long and uh yeah stay patient all day long and and make the first time i think i would ever gone boogie free at three under Usually I'm, you know, I shoot five, six, seven under if I go bogey free, and uh, and I I went bogey free at uh, at three under par and, and slid into that playoff and you know rest is history.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. A hey, uh, patience is uh, that's good advice for all of life. So we do um, a underrated overrated segment. It's just quick, you know. We'll do like three of them. You just say overrated underrated. And you can explain if you want to, or not. Um, first okay. one we're going to do is the safari hat versus the buck. You, know, you know, the bigger, the longer one?
1: Mine's a safari hat, pretty much, yeah. It,
0: it looked like it was a hybrid, almost.
1: Maybe, it might be a hybrid, I'm not really sure. But it's, it's close, it's pretty big. It's real big.
0: So they're going to be yeah. underrated. Alternative hats, I guess, is the, uh, is the way to go. Um, oh, they're they're underrated.
1: Yeah, super underrated. They're underrated. Yeah, it's unbelievable. They're underrated, and they need more love. I don't know. Everyone's the snap. I've been wearing the snapbacks, but because I don't have the bucket.
0: Uh-huh. So. Uh, um, the next question we'll go with is uh, is is food in in Latin and South America overrated?
1: <laughs> overrated for sure. For sure, overrated. It's, um, the best spot is Mexico. I love Tex-Mex, but the Matacos were unbelievable. Those was my favorite spot of all of it. They, lo- they they eat too much beef. Like, it's unbelievable. All they do is eat steak at, like, 1130 at night. That's all they
0: do. I went to I Ar- Argentina a couple of years ago for, like, two weeks. It's nuts how much steak <laughs> I ate. I, yeah,
1: it's, you eat so much steak, and it's really good. And it's amazing beef. And after your second meal of beef at 11 p.m., you're like, I never want to eat beef again. I don't (laughs) want this. Like I want something else other than this. You can't even get chicken. They look at you like you're stupid. Like you have four heads. This is other. If you ask for
0: chicken, this other thing that's crazy is like 11:30. is, like dinner time.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, they restaurants have to open early when we're coming to town. They'll call a few restaurants and ask them to open at a normal hour. Yeah. And they're like, like they have to make plans when we're coming through.
0: Oh, it's man. Sunny. And then, uh, what about poutine? Overrated, underrated?
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've had good poutine. You're I in Canada. Say, I would say overrated. Oh, okay. But I had it at a club, and, and I was really turned off by it. I had it in Winnipeg my first week up there. And I was like, this isn't that good. I'm not that happy with it. But I've never had it anywhere else, so that was probably my mistake. Honestly. I didn't have it like a good shop. The the one at the country club in Winnipeg was
0: not very good. Yeah, the Canadians are going to be mad at you. They they I very... know,
1: I lo- I love Canada. I'll only give them a shout out because Canada, I mean, Canada was an amazing place for me. But I'm 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 not I'm not I'm not all about the poutine.
0: Yeah, you'll get a guaranteed start or you didn't did you get a start at uh RBC? You weren't in the no, top 5. I, I
1: hadn't yeah, I was I I finished 6th in Winnipeg. And I would if I would have won in Thunder Bay, I would have got a start. Um, and I was leading on Saturday with like nine holes left at 13 under, the winning score. I had a big lead on Saturday, and I blew up. It was, an, it was, it was one of my more epic finishes in their golf tournament. But uh, I imploded pretty much and finished 30th that week. It, was... it My buddy still makes fun of me about it. It was just a complete implosion. Just lost my mind, and. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and so I ended up not getting that start. I thought I was going to get that start. I got way ahead of myself. i was like, I'm going to get an RBC. I'm going to win the RBC. Like, I'm killing it right
0: now, all this stuff. And then I should finish 30th. It was so funny. That's what It happens to me all the time in, like, USGA qualifiers as I start thinking about, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to play in this, this mid-am or this USAM or whatever it is. I'm like, I start thinking about the golf course, and then, Next thing I know, like, I play three holes, five over, and I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> nice while it lasted. But the uh, the one time I didn't have that happen was I, I ended up birdieing the la- three of my last four to get in, and I didn't think I had a chance. And it was just like, I was like, it was perfect because I didn't have time to just shit all over myself.
1: Oh, 100%. <laughs> I said, the- the, the, the bet- literally the best thing that ever happened, um... To me when I shot sixty one was um, when I got to the last hole, it was the easiest hole in the golf course. Eighteen in Honduras is the easiest hole in the golf course since it reached for far five. And on the hardest hole in the golf course, I hold like an eight footer after chopping it all up and down it when I was at nine under. And I was like and I was like, I can shoot fifty nine. And then I just my head my head just imploded. It just exploded. And and I and I make a make an eight footer and I get to the last hole and uh, and I just was just like, just get it anywhere up around the green, and I get it, I get it on the front fringe, and I'm just like, I don't need a three footer right now for 61, or I mean for 62. I was like, I don't need it, and I just bash it out of the front fringe from 40 feet, and it goes in. And I was like, I was like, I'm so glad that this is over. I ran out of holes to mess it up. Yeah. I was, like, I was about to mess it up. That's literally what I what I, I told my buddy. I said I was going to mess that up, if I had to play a couple more holes.
0: That's uh, I, I was playing the mid the U.S. mid am last year, and I. On my second round I birdied ten and I was like I was like three clear of the number of for match play. And I'm like, alright, yeah, we're in match play. Like, shit, if I get hot masters. Like, you know, this is what's going through my head. Like And literally the next hole is the easiest hole on the golf course. The fairway the the fairway's like a hundred yards wide. And I hit it into the shit. <laughs> and I was just like Unbelievable, like you know, of all, all the things I make, like a double, and I'm like, then I just start grinding. I just, and sure enough, there I had too many holes, too, many holes. too many holes left. Yeah, I needed I need that last hole to be done. <laughs> but it's funny how golf is. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be rooting for you in uh, Portugal, and uh, keep uh, let us know where, where you're uh, where you're going next, and uh, we'll be uh. You got a new person to favorite on the on the PGA tour app.
1: Sounds good. I'm I'm excited. I've enjoyed this. This was this was a cool experience and uh, it was great to meet you and you know, hopefully hopefully we'll stay in touch and, and talk again.
0: Yeah, we'll tee it up in Florida this winter when you're down.
1: Definitely, definitely. Sounds good.
0: Alright man, have a good one.
1: Alright, see ya.
0: Peace.